Hey, good morning. Hey, welcome to River Ridge, and if you're a regular, glad you're here, and if you're visiting because of the baptism for any other reason, we are glad that you're here this morning. Uh, so as you can see from the new bumper video, uh, that we are doing a series titled Modern Family. And, uh, and we're going to talk a lot about parenting, but even if you are not a parent, uh, we believe this series is going to have a much broader application to all people. So I uh, encourage everybody to kind of list up and be a part of things. Uh, I want to start this morning um, and talk uh, not about parenting, but to talk about a child. Uh, and his name is Luke Granger. And uh, we've got a picture of Luke from his memorial service um, this past week. And Many of you, uh, if you've been here, you've heard me share some stories about Luke. Um, uh, his father, James, and I were best friends from high school, uh, and, and Laura, his wife, is also a great friend from high school. And two years ago, Luke was diagnosed with cancer in his leg, a very severe, aggressive form of cancer. And so he had his leg amputated just above the knee, and then for the last two years has been undergoing radiation treatment and chemotherapy treatment and all of those types of things. And uh, 10 days ago, he passed away. And so Stacy and I went up to be with our friends, the Grangers, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of last week. And we went um, because of our friendship with James and Laura, because of our love for their family. And we really went uh, with the idea of being a comfort to James and Laura and then their other two boys. Um, but in fact, as we arrived and as we spent some time there, I realized that I was the one that needed some healing. And I needed some things answered and figured out because uh, Luke was 15 when he was diagnosed with cancer and then he died at age 17. And there was a big part of me that was angry, upset, frustrated, confused, maybe the best word, as far as God. Like, why is this happening? And there were a whole lot of people all around the world, godly people, praying for Luke to be healed, but yet he died. And I, was, I went up there just kind of going to comfort James and Laura, but ended up needing to be comforted and get some answers myself. Um, but what's interesting is the answers that I got to that stuff that I was facing, uh, it, it didn't come from a, a, you know, a pastor's message at a memorial or a burial or a, that type of thing. It actually came from words that Luke had spoken before that they had written on a blog and things that he had done is where I found the healing that I needed. When he was first diagnosed about two years ago, Luke picked out a theme verse for himself. It's Romans 8.18, and it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And, you know, a 15-year-old kid saying, having my leg amputated and cancer is nothing compared to the amazing thing that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. This pales compared to the greatness of being able to have a relationship with God. James and Laura kept a blog over the last two years, and um, about six or eight weeks ago, um, Luke wrote a blog post, and I want to read you just a little bit of what he said. He said this, Ever since I was diagnosed, I have felt Excuse me, ever since I was diagnosed, I have been sick and felt sick, and I am still sick now. My situation is not ideal, 
But I know that because of Jesus, if I do not survive, I get to go to heaven. So that's pretty ideal. And I'm just struck by that kid's faith that he goes, this is not ideal. I don't want to have cancer, but I get to go and be with God. And that's pretty ideal. And even, you know, in, in kind of hearing words that he had said and, and stories about him, it was just um, so evident that he understood the things of God. And, and the thing for me that really struck me is that we had been praying, God, heal Luke. God, heal Luke. God, heal Luke. Over and over for months, for years. And I kind of got to the end after he'd passed away, and I said, well, I guess God didn't answer our prayer. But Luke had a different perspective, that Luke understood that in his death that God was answering his prayer because Luke is now healed in heaven. And he understood that, and he lived his life that way. When he died, he wasn't angry or bitter or frustrated with God. He was thrilled to be with his father in heaven. A few months before he died, he was in the waiting room of the, to get radiation treatment. And there was another man who was also waiting to get radiation treatment. There was a uh, guy who was a little bit older than, than I am. He was 55 years old. And they struck up a friendship, and their, their paths crossed a couple times in this waiting room. And, and Luke was just such an encouragement to this man. Well, about, I think, three or four weeks ago, this man passed away. And in his will or in his sort of dying wishes, he gave Luke $10,000. And so a check arrives at Luke's house for $10,000. And, and his dad, my friend James, says, well, what do you want to do with it? And he goes, you know, I have everything I need. There's not something that I want to buy. There's not some place I want to travel to. I don't really need anything. He said, but going to Young Life Camp has been an incredible help to my journey with God. And I know that not everybody can afford to go to camp. Could we set up a fund to send kids to camp that can't afford to go? And they called it, which I think is sort of ironic, they call it the Luke Legacy Fund because Luke lost his leg. You know, and I just think that's just precious. And so, and, and, I, and I share this story with you, maybe partly because it's just therapeutic for me to get it out and talk about it. I kind of thought I was cried out over this past week, but apparently not. Um, but, you know, here's, here's why I share this story with you. I look at the depth of Luke's faith as a high school boy, and I say, how can a kid have a faith like that? How does a kid have a faith like that? And, and I've known Luke since he was in diapers. And it's not like all of a sudden he got cancer and now he's got a big faith. That all along Luke had this incredible faith in his life. And his faith is there because his mom and dad modeled it for him and taught him and loved him and prayed for him. And all the way through, his parents discipled him to have this type of faith. And I don't know about you, if you've got kids or not, but if you've got kids and I have kids, I want my kids to be like Luke Granger. I want my kids to have that kind of faith that endures through the hardships of life and celebrates the blessings of life. I want a kid that trusts Jesus the way that Luke did. That's what this sermon series is about. It's about how can we parent our kids 
so that they have a faith that is real and they own it and it's vibrant and dynamic. That's what this series is about. So I hope that you'll look forward and be a part and engage fully in what we're going to do over the course of these next three weeks. So let's pray together as we start. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to look into your word, um, that we get to hear from you what it means to parent and to parent well. Um, Give us insight into our own lives as we do this. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 6, if you want to open up to that in your Bible. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you can get the River Ridge app and click to a Bible there, or it'll be on the screen behind me in just a few minutes. Um, But I want to give you a little bit of behind the scenes of River Ridge Church. So you see the, um, the artwork for Modern Family. And so I got the artwork mailed to me um, about maybe three or four weeks ago. And I have to be honest, I didn't like the artwork. And so I picked up the phone and I called the person uh, who will remain anonymous about who kind of was leading this part of what was going on. And it was not Keith, by the way, just so you're, you know, I don't want to throw him under the, it was Andy. Um, but <laughs> whoever it was that I called and I said, I don't really like the artwork for this series. I don't like using stock photos. Like, let's get photos of real people at River Ridge, or let's get photos at least they're, you know, whatever. And, uh, and he said, uh, Matt, those are River Ridge people. I'm like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, we got a home group together and brought them together for a shoot, uh, a video shoot, and then a, a picture shoot, and that's the graphics. I'm like, where does that group meet? Because I want to be good looking like that. So can I get in that group, and I'm going to start to become good looking? Um, and the thing is, and then I asked, the, there's a woman named Sarah who did the photography for it, and they just look so perfect in those pictures. I said, can you send me some outtake pictures, like pictures where they don't look great? Uh, what, you know, so, and so she sent me a couple, and this was the worst picture that I could find. And like even sticking their tongue out at each other, that, that family is just cute, right? But you know, here's the thing. As we think about what does the modern family look like, the modern family doesn't look picture perfect. Every family, the modern family is, they all look different. That you might be in a family that has two parents and, you know, 2.7 kids and a dog and a house and two-car garage. You know, you may be a part of a family that's a single-parent family. You may be part of a family that's a blended family where you've got, you know, step-parents and all this going on and parenting and it just makes it difficult. You know, you may be responsible for parenting and the child doesn't live with you very much, that you've got kind of a shared custody type of plan or a shared parenting plan and you have the child, you know, every other week or two days a week or a couple weekends a month or whatever it is, that it's hard. And so every family looks different. If you want to know what, what does a modern family look like, put your family in front of a mirror and say, that's a modern family. That's who we are. As we go through this series, I want to be real clear. This is, we're going to talk about discipleship in the context of family, but I also want you to know, if you're here this morning and you're single, or you're here this morning and you're married and you don't have kids, this series is still for you. Because for a couple reasons, first of all, we're going to talk about discipleship overall with the specific application to parenting, but you can take the same principles and apply it to any relationship where you want to have influence. But the other part is this. There's a verse in Galatians that says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That we have a role in the family of God, not just with our own kids, 
or if we don't have any kids, but to influence all those who are in the household of God. And so we as parents need you all who aren't parents or who aren't parents yet to invest in the lives of our kids. That every single one of my kids has been influenced greatly by somebody outside of our family because they have loved and cared for them. And so if you're a a leader in River Camp or you're a leader with Wired or you've got nieces and nephews or you're a teacher, you have any sort of role with kids, we want you to leverage that for their good, for their blessing, for their benefit. So here's a little bit about my family. Uh, Here's a picture of our family, and I have four children. Uh, So Emily is the oldest. She's 18. uh, and then I'm sorry, 20. Uh, Riley is 18. Will is 15. And Ben is 12. And you see that we have the the little boy on the left. Like, that's the best photobomber ever right there. (laughs) Here's the thing. I have no idea who that kid is. I don't know his name. He's certainly thrilled to be a sand, that's for sure. Uh, but a friend of ours took this picture and then <laughs> sent it to us, and there was the kid in the picture like, he's part of the family now. Um, so but those are my four kids, plus my photo bomber kid. And uh, so, but here's the thing is, I have, between, or, I have been a parent for 65 years when you add up all their ages. I have 65 years of parenting experience under my belt. And here's the two things that I know for certain with my 65 years of parenting under my belt. Here's the first thing that I know is that I'm not a perfect parent. You look at my kids, meet my kids, talk to my kids, you will know that I am not a perfect parent. I have made mistakes. We've done a few things right. We've done a few things wrong. If you were to look at game film on Matt and Stacy's parenting, you would see some things that we did pretty well, and you'd see some things that we probably did pretty awful. So that's the first thing. And so this will not be a message series where I'm going, here's how to parent. I'm perfect at it, and let me impart to you. This is me learning right along and being reminded right along with you about God's uh, wisdom about parenting. And here's the second thing that I know for certain is that every parent struggles with the challenges of parenting. It doesn't matter what age your kids are. If you've got kids in diapers, you got sleepless nights. That's hard. If you have toddlers and preschoolers, man, that is absolutely exhausting. If you have elementary age kids, that is incredibly hard with trying to guide them in decisions and hard and attitude and actions. If you've got middle school and high school kids, why? That is just hard. It's not so much physically draining, but it is absolutely emotionally draining to have kids of that age. And I've learned in the last couple of years that having kids who are grown and out of the nest is also complicated and difficult as far as when do you say something? When do you not say something? When do you let them live by their own mistakes? When do you rescue them? And all of that. So it doesn't matter what age your kids are. Parenting is difficult. And so given those two realities, the difficulty of parenting and the fact that none of us are experts, here's what I want, us to, ha- here's what I want to happen over the course of this series. And I take this in part from our vision statement. The vision statement is Riverage exists to help you take next steps in your journey with God. That's why we gather as a church. That's why Riverage Church exists. Here's what this series is about. We are doing Modern Family to help you take the next steps in your parenting. You know, this will be over October 6th or 7th. I have bad news for you. You will not have perfect kids by October the 7th. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be a perfect parent by then. 
But what we do hope happens is that every parent here will take some intentional steps towards discipling their children. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look in Deuteronomy chapter 6 about what is discipleship, what does that look like. And here's the interesting thing, is all of us are discipling our kids. Whether you are a Christian, not a Christian, atheist, agnostic, Jewish, Muslim, it doesn't matter. All of us are discipling our kids in the sense that we are teaching them something and we are putting them in a direction. It may be intentional, it may be unintentional, but we are teaching them something. When our daughter Emily was about two years old, she would walk around with her ear on her shoulder and she would pretend to have a phone right here and she would have these pretend conversations as she like, you know, did, played with her toys or whatever, walked around the house. And we're like, what is she doing? Why does she do that? And then I look one day and there's Stacy, ear on the phone, on the shoulder, walking around multitasking. I'm like, well, we're discipling her to be a multitasker, I guess, right? You are discipling your kids to be something. The question is, what is it that God wants us to disciple our kids, our children towards? And that's what we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And God lays it out very clearly for us. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 4. And what this passage, to give you kind of a, a, a broad overview, this is God's plan for passing on faith from generation to generation to generation. This is God's plan about how do we pass faith on from one generation to the next. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now, as you hear that, that probably sounds familiar. Even if you haven't read the book of Deuteronomy, it may sound familiar to you, because Jesus was asked on a number of occasions, what's the greatest commandment? And he was quoting from Deuteronomy. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. This is the heart of faith. This is the goal that we are shooting for with our kids. That we want our kids to love God with their heart, their soul, and their strength. We want them to be emotionally attached and in love with God. Their soul, their deepest part of who they are, we want our kids to love God with the depth of their being and with their strength or with their might. We want our kids to live and act in such a way that honors God with the way they act and the way that they talk. That's what we're shooting for when it comes to faith with them. So how do we do that? Here's how we do that. Verse 6. It says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So the first thing, the first part of this is this commandment to love God with everything that we are needs to be on our hearts first. I put it this way, is make it personal. The first step towards raising great kids with dynamic faith is we need to have that faith first. We need to make that faith personal with us. If we want to pass on a dynamic, vibrant, growing faith to our kids, it has to be in us first. But here's the thing. As I know as I'm sitting here, there are some of you who are saying, I don't have a very mature faith. I'm kind of new to this church thing. I'm just finding my way around the Bible. I'm... And here's the thing is, that's fine. It's not about how mature you are. 
that you will pass on to your kids. It's about the trajectory of your faith. That if you're young in your faith and you are growing and you're actively taking steps to grow stronger and stronger into your faith, that will pass on to your kids. It's not where you are, it's where you're going. Are you intentionally growing your faith? And and I would say this, and I'm just going to speak brutally honestly. If the only thing that you do to grow your relationship with Christ is come here on a Sunday morning, I think it's very low chances, low percentage that your kids will have a dynamic faith. If the only input you have into your faith is, well, I show up on Sunday mornings, then I don't think you'll have a whole lot to pass on to your kids. You know, going back to Luke, I've known his parents since they were in high school. They have a dynamic faith. They have a growing, vibrant faith. Yeah, they go to church, they go to small group, they read God's word, they have ministry, they have all this stuff, and they have a growing, intentional faith. And they have lived that for a long time in front of Luke. And that's part of why Luke's faith is where it is, is because they have that vibrant, dynamic faith. And if I could stop right here and give a 30-minute message on how to have a dynamic faith, I would do that because that is the greatest gift that you can give your kids, is have a dynamic faith yourself. Let's look at the next way to have great kids. Verse 7. Beginning of it says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. That's a great instruction, that we're to teach this command about how to love God with all that's in us. We're to teach that to our kids. But here's one of the problems that we face just in our 21st century culture is that we are on the move all the time. We're driving our kids to soccer. We're taking them to dance. We're signing up for music lessons. We're, you know, helping them with homework. We're driving to a friend's house. We're doing so. I mean, we have busy lives, and so it can be a little bit overwhelming, you know, and I don't want to be like a drive-by guilt here and go, hey, do this. Add one more night to the week. Add 30 minutes to the day, whatever it is. But here's the thing is while I said this is our 21st century culture of being busy, I don't think that's a whole lot different than when it was, this was written. Because they, they had to survive every day, and they were busy, crops and animals and building their own houses and all that kind of stuff. And what's interesting here is the formula or the instructions, the principles that God gives here to the Israelites applies to us as well. Because it was, as, as you go along, this is how you're going to do it. It wasn't like, take this huge chunk of time. Listen to what it says. Let me read all of verse 7 this time. It says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. See, what he's saying is, if you want to pass faith, dynamic faith, onto your kids, make faith an everyday part of life. He doesn't say, teach these to your children, and every Sunday night at 7 o'clock, spend two hours with them. No, it doesn't say that. It says, as you go along, as you just live life, and so we've called this create a rhythm, that we want to create a rhythm with our children that spiritual things and faith and talking about God and talking about Jesus is just an everyday part of life. He gives some examples here. He says, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And so part of the everyday conversations that we want to have with our kids is we're sitting around the house, we're sitting around the living room, a commercial comes on, a TV show comes on, somebody, you know, kids get in a fight. We use those as teaching moments. 
One of the things that we started a while back and, and we've gotten away from that this series is reminding me that I want to get back to is we have a Proverbs bowl. And on the, in the bowl, there's 31 pieces of paper that has the chapter number on it. And there's about 40 pieces of paper that have a verse on it. And so what we can do is we pull a ver- chapter out, we pull a verse out, and we go, okay, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 27, verse 3. And we read it, and we say, what does this say about life? What does this say about how we interact? Is this true of life? Is this true of your life? And just to do that, to make it a normal part of conversations. It also says, uh, and when you walk by the way, right? 2017 translation, and when you get in your minivan and drive around town is what you can cross that out and write that in that we spend an inordinate amount of time in our minivans, in our cars, driving our kids around. And so what this verse says is use that time. Leverage that time. It's probably going to mean saying, hey, let's turn off the screens, let's turn off the phone, let's not watch DVDs when we're driving 10 minutes from here to there, but let's utilize that conversational time and talk about God, talk about spiritual things as we go along. It also says, and when you lie down and when you rise... If you have kids in the home, do you have a routine in the evening where you put your kids to bed and you pray for them? You put your kids to bed and you say, hey, what do you want to pray for? Or when you send them off to school, do you pray for them? Do you give them an encouragement? Do you give them a verse to think about? Maybe tuck something in their lunch basket, in their, in their lunch bag. You know, do we have those types of things that are just part of, of, the, of the, um, just the rhythm of life? You know, one of the things that we have... Um, kind of taught our kids or instilled in our kids along the way is you can't give a one-word answer. You know, how was school? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. You know, we said, we're not going to allow that in our family. You got to give an answer. You got to like expand on it. And so it kind of came full circle last Sunday. So Stacy uh, and our two younger boys were at a uh, Young Life camp called Windy Gap in North Carolina, a family camp. And they came back, and one of the neat rhythms that we have in our life now is every Sunday night we have a video chat call. So uh, Emily logs on from Ohio, Riley logs on from Texas, we log on from Charleston, and we had this video chat back and forth. And so we're having the video chat, and I think it was Riley, but I'm not sure. He says, hey mom, how was family camp? How was it? And, uh, and Stacy says, it was fine. <laughs> And Emily jumps all over her. She's like, you are not allowed to say fine, Mom. Tell us how it went. And then we had this great conversation about the weekend and all of us. But it was that type of thing. It was just, it's part of the rhythm of life, of what God is teaching us. And so we want to have these conversations as we go along, as we walk along the road, as we drive, as we sit down, as we talk around the dinner table. So the question is, what are we going to talk about? What should we talk about? I'm glad you asked. I want to share with you some of the resources that we provide at Riverridge Church. And if you have uh, kids of this age, I hope you're using these resources. This is a reminder that they're there. If you have friends who have kids of this age, I hope that you remember this stuff and say, hey, you should come to my church. They do this for preschool kids or this for elementary school kids, this for middle school kids. Uh, But this is for preschool kids. This is the first stuff. So this is uh, a placemat, right? And uh, basically, you put this down, and this has kind of a month at a, gla- a glance. You have one of these per month, has a little stuff on the back that says, wow, bang, zap, God is always with me. And it goes through what is the theme of the week, or excuse me, the theme of the month, bottom line, memory verses, things like that, what they do each week. This is a great opportunity for you to be with your kid and just ask them these types of questions. 
We also give you this little uh, half-sheet piece of paper um, that has morning time, drive time, cuddle time, and bath time. What you can do in September to, as you do these things with your kids. We're giving you resources so that you can be the best disciplers of your kids. We also have this little deal, uh, which is the memory verse that also has the hand motions on it. And so you can go through this and teach and learn the memory verse right alongside your kids. Uh, we have something which is called a Parent Q app on the left there. Uh, you can download that. It'll give you all these resources and more. Uh, we also have a River Ridge preschool Facebook page. So go online, find that, click that, uh, like that, and then that'll, you can watch the videos that your kids watched while you were in here and they were over there. So that's a bunch of great resources for elementary kids. Or excuse me, preschool kids. Uh, let's talk about elementary kids. Uh, so we, we give you kind of two or three things here. Uh, the first is... Each week, there's a little thing that looks like this that you can pick up. This week is Elisha and Naaman. Um, what's the main point? What's the big picture? This is great to talk about with your kids on the way home. Hey, what'd you talk about? What was the story? Oh, I don't know. Hey, was your story perhaps Elisha and Naaman? Oh, it was. Mom, you're so smart. Had that conversation. And then this is great. And one, I mean, one of the things that I want everybody at River Ridge to do, because it is way better than listening to sermons in terms of growing your relationship with Christ, is be with God on a daily basis. Have your own time with God. And if you can teach your kids that, it is a rhythm of life that will be, help them for their entire lives. And so that's what these are. This is a, a God time card, day one, day two, day three, and day four. It's just a little something to do with your kids to teach them the rhythm of a daily time with God. We also have uh, the Gospel Project app on the right. You can kind of match that up and use the, we're doing more resources there. And then we also have a Facebook page where you can watch the same videos that your kids watched when they were in River Camp or in Studio 45. And then lastly, uh, with middle school kids, uh, they're doing the Gospel Project as well. And so there's a little sheet, a handout called One Conversation. Uh, and you can pick these up. They're actually on the door of where you go into student ministry. Um, there's a bunch of these there. They'll be there each week. You can pick it up, have a conversation with your middle school kid. The other thing for middle school kids is you want to get them a devotional book. Whatever their interests are, devotions for guys, sports devotions for girls, there's all, all kinds of stuff online that you can find. But get them a book so they can start having their own time with God. And then the same is true with high school kids. You want to get them the resources so that they can have their own time with God as they move along, as they grow in faith. I want to close um, by talking about everyday conversations and, and come back to Luke for just a minute. You know, all throughout Luke's life, James and Luke had conversations about God. It wasn't like Luke got cancer and James was like, well, I guess we should talk about God now. All throughout his life, they were having these conversations. About four days or three days before Luke passed away, he was um, on home hospice, and sometimes he was pretty, you know, aware of what was going on, and sometimes he was kind of out of it and loopy. And so one night he's in bed, and James is next to him, and Luke says to his dad, he says, Dad, I want to go home. Dad, I want to go home. And he was kind of restless. And James looked at him, and he said, Luke, buddy, you are home. I'm right here. We're in your house. You're home. And Luke says, Dad, I know where I am. I want to go home to heaven. And that was just one of many, many conversations that they had. Because James and Laura had invested in Luke, 
and he had a dynamic faith of his own. And he got to that point in life and he said, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go to heaven. That's the kind of faith that we want to instill and disciple our kids towards. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you um, for, example, for the example of Luke. And I pray for each of us. Father, as we parent the kids in our home, of, as we parent kids who are grown and gone, Lord, let us do these things as far as having a, a, a relationship with you that is vibrant and dynamic and growing. And help us to create a rhythm where we're just talking about life and God and Jesus and spiritual stuff as we go. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.